everyone, this is Dwight. And this is Yodit, and welcome to Everything Under the Sun, a podcast where anything and everything is on the table. We're a married couple, and we love conversation. And more importantly, we love Jesus. So join us as we explore Everything Under the Sun. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode two of Everything Under the Sun. I'm Yodi. Hey, everyone. It's Dwight. We want to thank everyone that took the time to listen to our first episode. The amount of love and support that we received was quite overwhelming, so thank you. Um, One of the main feedbacks and appreciation that we got was really around our transparency and vulnerability um, and, you know, that's really a theme that we want to carry out throughout this podcast with everything that we talk about. And we really, you know, are able to be transparent and vulnerable because of um, the gift that we have in Christ to be authentic with our weaknesses. And so thank you for listening. Anything you want to say, Dwight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ditto that. I mean, it's really, we were taking a leap of faith even to launch that first podcast and to be affirmed by many of you and what we're doing and what we want to accomplish was tremendous. And then also for those of you that have expertise in these areas who reached out with tips and tricks and ideas for us to consider is also helping us to mold um, this, this journey that we're on. So huge thanks from the both of us. Yes. So November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and on this episode, we are going to have Dwight, who is an adoptee, shed some light on the myths and truths about adoption from his perspective. Um, You know, my perspective has really changed around adoption since meeting Dwight um, and learning about his story, and this topic has become very important to me. And so I'm excited for Dwight to share this, and he's done a lot of work in this space. So Dwight, tell us a little bit about that. Definitely. So I have to say, y'all, in just thinking about this episode and talking about such a huge topic, I have struggled with feeling very overwhelmed with how can you fit everything that there is to be said, everything that I want to say about adoption into one, you know, 30 or so minute episode on a podcast, a short answer is you can't. And so I just want to, in the, in the vein of transparency, just say like, there's so much to say, um, in this episode, we'll hopefully start some dialogues, um, about some aspects of adoption, but we won't get to it all. Um, and that's okay. Um, but I just wanted to share that with you. And so my goal in in this conversation and really in every conversation I, I'm engaged in is to center the adoptee or foster to adopt or the foster youth experience in the conversations we have in and around adoption. And I do that through education, awareness building, and advocacy. Um, And I do that because historically, legally, and financially, in every way, the conversation of and around adoption is centered around adoptive parents. Um, And so it's really kind of 
trying to, as some have said, flip the script to have a conversation that really listens to and hears from those that are most impacted by by it, the adoptees, foster youth who are adopted and, and foster youth who um, age out of the system. And so that's how I approach this work. Um, and uh, that's the perspective that I bring. As Yodi mentioned, I am an adoptee. Um, I was adopted at birth. Uh, I was I am part of what's referred to as a transracial adoption, and that simply means that when the child that's being adopted is of a different race than the adopt one or more of the adoptive parents. Um, I, my adoption was domestic, so that means that I was adopted from within the United States. There's international adoption and domestic adoption. And so I was adopted at birth from New Jersey and raised in a white family in Davis, California, and grew up um, with non-adopted siblings. Uh, And so I was the middle child, had two older sisters and two younger brothers. And uh, so, you know, that had its dynamics and challenges of uh, being different race and but also being raised in a in a place where you know that we didn't really interact with that reality that much and so grew up uh, and really started to interact with uh, the fact that I was adopted um, and the fact that I was you know of a different race than my family in a more critical way as I got into high school uh, I didn't fit in with certain crowds and that led to some identity issues uh, in college. The beginning of college is where I got to meet my birth mother, also birth parents, also referred to as first parents um, in adoption speak. And so I met my birth mom, first mom, when I was 17 and subsequently met my birth dad. And that just began a whole journey of really coming of age in a lot of ways, um, moving into, you know, out of adolescence into young adulthood, also moving into a deeper awareness of my identity and and that part of myself that I had not yet interacted with. And that's both family and then race, right? So I was really going through a lot of transformation and process there. Uh, Fast forward to Slightly after college, I uh, got connected with an organization in the Bay Area called PACT that uh, focused on connecting, uh, building community for transracial, adopted, and, and foster youth of color. And so this was the first time that I really found community around this uh, identity, part of my identity. Um, and just really flourished there, grew a lot, met some amazing, amazing folks, uh, a very, very special community, um, and really caught fire for wanting to do the work of educating and building awareness around uh, the experiences of adoptees, transracial adoption, uh, working with um, adopted uh, children of color, um, uh, and also raising awareness around 
foster foster the experience of foster youth um, as well. And so did that for you know about four or five years involved with PACT um, as a you know advocacy uh, team member and then also on the board for a bit and then um, recently have um, stepped back from that but obviously you know advocacy is for life awareness building is for life and so continue to try to figure out what my next the, the next chapter is for that advocacy and awareness um, and so that brings us to today and it's really not a fair full story mm-hmm. uh, I think the journey is ongoing um, you know I am blessed to be in reunion with birth family um, I have relationship obviously still with my adoptive parents um, adoptive siblings and and birth siblings as well and so um yeah, that's just kind of the cliff notes of of my story. Yeah, and like you know, like you said, you can't cover your your full story, but I do want to focus on one thing. You know, you wrote a piece a couple of years ago about your story, um, and you mentioned that the reunification process, and quote unquote, you say beautifully, it was a beautifully complicated experience. Can you expound on that um, a little bit? Definitely. Yeah, and I think that that could apply, you know, to adoption in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you one could say that adopt, adoption is a beautifully complicated experience. Um and I I think because it's complicated, I don't like to use uh, you know, simple phrases like that for something as big as adoption, but mm-hmm. when you look at reunification for me, it was again this nexus of uh, coming into young adulthood, uh, moving from boyhood to, to manhood in some sense, also really seeking to understand uh, race in a more mm-hmm. in a in a more clear way, both for personal identity and then you know the social dynamic around race, um, and then also this getting a lot of answers to questions that many adoptees do have, not all. And I will always preface whatever I say with, I, I don't try not to generalize to all adoptees because we all have different experiences and, and, and different takes on our experience. But many adoptees are seeking for answers of mm-hmm. some kind uh, whether they're wanting reunion or not, uh, many adoptees have questions. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I was getting a ton of answers to questions I had and questions I didn't even have. And so that that all kind of came together at the age of, starting at the age of 17. I'm in my first term of college at a quarter school, um, getting my butt kicked with academics, <laughs> also walking onto the football team all in this first year and meeting my adopted, mm. uh, my birth family. And so, you know, that process has really been continued till the present day, so uh, over over a dozen years. But it really has been a beautiful experience. I think I have grown tremendously and 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 
have been able to, I think I say in the piece, that um, even though um, life never stops being complex as an adoptee, whether you're in or out of a union, I could say that my steps into young adulthood would not have been as sure, <clears throat> excuse me, without a connection to my roots. And so, you know, it's complex, but it's beautiful because it gave me a footing that I wouldn't have had otherwise. That's powerful. Um, so as an adoptee, um, what are some myths about adoption that you see and hear from people who are not really, you know, have much knowledge about adoption? Because I, you know, I will say that I always had in mind that I wanted to adopt. And I don't even know where that desire came from. But I will say that I had a very romanticized view of adoption, right? It's like, oh, I just want to, um, you know, adopt someone who maybe doesn't have that love or who doesn't have those parents. And so I just had a romanticized view. And I, and I realized that, you know, as I'm learning your story and as I have a more of a, a clearer view into adoption, um, that, you know, that's not the case. And so wh what are some myths that you see um, whether it's in media or wherever, what, and can you share some of those things? Definitely. So again, it's complicated, and no one experience is the same. Uh, before I jump into that, I do want to, you know, I've, I've brought up adoption and foster care, and I've done that intentionally. Uh, I've been, you know, in my advocacy, education, and awareness work, I've been on countless panels. Uh, I've met with prospective hope parents that are hoping to adopt. I've uh, consulted with parents that have already adopted and had the chance to work with amazing adult adoptees and, and folks that were in the foster care system. And part of the reason that I always bring up foster care along with adoption is that um, like you said, adoption can be romanticized um, and focused on and receive a spotlight um, where foster foster care and, and foster youth can often be ignored both by the system and mm -hmm. by by the by the conversation. I think adoption in general is is not talked about enough, but even in those conversations that are happening about adoption, we don't look to the foster uh, foster youth. Um, experience enough mm. uh, and so I just I think that speaks kind of indirectly to myths around adoption um, there's a whole story probably a, a whole nother series of podcasts mm. to be um, to be done around foster care in the United States and um, the tragedies and triumphs within that system um, and folks that have come out of it and done amazing things and and then also the the really rough baggage that they still carry and so I just want to make sure that's said because you know I know many many of my brothers and sisters in this work uh, represent that experience and I and I wouldn't um, wouldn't dare speak for them but I have learned to always give them space um, in the conversation. So when it comes to myths about adoption, I mean, there's a couple that come to mind, and again, we're not going to hit on all of them. I think 
you know, a big one is this idea that, you know, love is enough. Um, and this is really a perspective that has decreased in acceptance over the last couple of decades, uh, but was very prevalent uh, when I was adopted in the in the mid to late 80s and, you know, the 60s and 70s leading up to that, and was also very prevalent um, in Christian or faith-based communities in the perspective towards adoption. And later on, we'll get into kind of the intersection of faith and adoption um, a little bit. Uh, but I just think that, you know, to kind of debunk that myth um, that, you know, love is enough was really kind of this idea, especially in the context of adopting children of a different race, uh, that there was not any need to uh, prepare or pay attention to mm. or draw connections for the, the child to their experience being of a different race than, than the folks that were adopting. And of course, I don't think it needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway, in this country, um, the majority of folks that um, are adopting transracially historically have been white folks. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't have time to get into a <laughs> history lesson about the power dynamics that are connected to race, but when you have majority, historically majority white folks adopting uh, folks of color, children of color, mm -hmm. Um, and then not really addressing that dynamic and how they raise and, and prepare their child of color to interact with a world that very much exists within racial hierarchies, yeah. um, you know, you can be doing a disservice. And so that, I think that the, that the scholarship around adoption has shifted in a great direction over the last couple of decades. Still a long way to go. There are still agencies that... Um, you know, an adoption advocacy uh, organizations that I think could do a better job of kind of debunking that myth and helping adoptive parents prepare uh, for the for supporting their child. Uh, but that's one one myth. Mm -hmm. um, I think the way connected to that the way adoption is portrayed in the media, mm -hmm. uh, you know. By and large, one, as I said earlier, one centers the experience of the adoptive parent or parents. Um, two, tends to play into the narrative of the, um, you know, the white parent savior mm. idea uh, that's just problematic and simplistic. Um, and then also does not uh, highlight the experience of, of adoptees or foster youth or birth parents for that matter. Mm. Um, also another conversation, another perspective that's very silent and very invisible, um, hugely problematic in the adoption conversation. Yet again, another series of episodes. <laughs> I think you need to start a podcast on adoption. You know, I'll take that under advisement. I think um, there's it a lot to be to, said. Right. Uh, but speaking to the myths, I mean... Um, media defines a lot of how we view things. And so to those listening, be careful kind of the narratives you ingest uh, regarding adoption through the media. Um, you know, one of our favorite shows, This Is Us. Woohoo uh, to all the This Is Us fans right, out there. Right. I made him 
a believer. Well, here's the thing. I I when I heard the first when I first heard about the show, season one, and heard there was you know adoption and foster foster mm-hmm. youth and birth parents in the plot. My reaction as an adoptee was like, oh man, not another one. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my initial reaction, thinking that it would be like many of the other media portrayals that was either overly simplistic, um, romanticized, or just incorrect. But, you know, I, thanks to yeah. Odeed, ended up checking it out and have been very impressed with the way that they center the adoptee and the, the birth parent experience. Mm. Um, and for that reason alone, it's by far the best um, media portrayal of adoption that I that I've seen. So those are those are a couple way a couple ways that that myths um that myths show up. Another one is that, you know, another one really quickly around race is that, you know, folks of color don't adopt. Um specifically what I've heard and seen over the years is black folks don't adopt. Um and that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, there are like I said political, historical, power-based influences that have led to an imbalance in, in who adopts and who doesn't. Um, but, you know, there's many adoptive parents of color. In fact, the organization I worked with in the past, PACT, they focus on supporting adoptive uh, parents of color and creating community for them, uh, which is beautiful. Uh, but you know that's a myth when you get into adoption adoption land, as I call it, or if you're moving in those circles, um, sometimes you might interact with that myth that oh, only white people adopt. It's not true. Yeah. Thank you for that, babe. Um, it's a lot. Um, so, what? Another question that I have is, you know, what's your perspective on how um, adoptive parents should raise their their adopted children, and you know, not that you're an expert on it, but just from your, from your experience, what are some recommendations that you may have? Yes, as I said, I've had the the privilege to sit with both folks that are interested in in being adoptive parents, folks that are recently adopted parents, and folks, you know, that have adult adoptee children, um, and many times. You know they'll look to me for the answers on how to parent, and like Yodi said, I'm I'm not a parent. I wouldn't pretend to have the answer, but I I am an adoptee, and um, I can't share from my experience, and so that's that's what I do. Um, I think it's really important, and this might seem obvious, but learning and listening become hyper important in an adoption scenario. I think it's also even taking a step back if you think about what your role as parents are. And if you're coming from a Christian perspective, it's to disciple this child, right, that's been given to you by God, even if it's your own biological child. Mm to disciple them and guide them. And so 
you know, I think that that perspective really becomes important in adoption, especially if it's, and it takes on even an, another lens as, you know, if it's a transracial adoption, but it just takes a lot, it takes effort. So you have to be ready to put in the extra effort to learn what it means to steward the calling, to disciple, guide, support, listen to, and help in the development of your adopted child. When you make the decision to adopt, and and let's remember, adoptive parents, that's a decision you made. Your child did not make that decision, right? And so when you made that decision, you're taking on this extra challenge, this extra layers of complexity and difficulty. And to not move forward through your parenting experience remembering that and wearing that lens and being willing and asking for God's grace to to do that extra effort um, can lead to difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that you shouldn't raise, I don't want to give the perspective that you're raising your children differently than your other children if you should have other children. So I don't want to create um, a disparity there. But adoptive parents, ask yourself, you know, hopefully why you want to adopt and, and keep asking yourself that question. Keep interacting with your honest answer to that question, even after you've adopted. Uh, keep looking in the mirror, like why, you know, you need to be honest with yourself why you're adopting, and, and there are right reasons, and there are right reasons that probably aren't right. Um, and then as you go about supporting your child, be willing to to uh, learn, because especially when you're, when you're raising up a child of, of, a, of a different race, you're not going to have all the answers, and don't pretend to. Um, be able to listen and learn and find community and support. And, you know, that's there's more to be said there, but um, I think I'll stop it there. You know, I, I remember when I went um, with you to a, a panel that you spoke at a, mm-hmm. a packed event, and one of the things that I took from that um, with the various people that were on the panel, and one of the things that, you know, you guys talked about was around the idea that as adoptive as parents who adopt you know you have to realize that the child that you're adopting has their own story that that they come with right right right. um and in no way do you ever try to hide that story i mean there's wisdom but how do you you know can you speak to that because i Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting because as adoptive parents like how to engage with your um with your with your child when they want to know more um, when, you know, when they want to know more about their roots, you know. Right, right. Yeah, there's, there can be a lot of fear there. Right. Um, and that was part of my story. And, you know, God bless my adoptive parents. love them very much. And I think it's a natural, it's a natural choice or a tendency or a push or even kind of a knee-jerk move towards fear. Hey, this is my child. And maybe if they interact with this other thing, 
they will lose appreciation for me mm. and, and, and who I am in their life. And, and so I, I, I can empathize with mm. that kind of root impulse. Um, but I really encourage adoptive parents to, you know, especially, I mean, especially if we're looking at this from the everything under the sun perspective, that we know there's a sovereign God, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but for adoptive parents to, at the beginning, at the middle, at the end, every day put your duty, your privilege on the altar before God, and that should remove the fear. I think when you adopt, I encourage people to not have the perspective that you're adopting one human but in a sense, you're adopting a, their family and their story. Mm. And that's ongoing. It's not just the one transaction, the paper you signed. Mm. It's an ongoing story until, until you die. And I think that is really tough for some adoptive parents because they really thought it was about that moment where they picked up the child from the hospital or picked up the child from you know, wherever they were and went, got in the car and that's the end of that story. This is the beginning of your new life. This yeah. is your forever family. Yeah. Problematic language, in my opinion. Um, but I really believe that because, like I said, no adoptive person is exact, adopted person is exactly the same as another, but many of us have questions. Your child most likely will have questions and yeah. want to search um, and want to know more about that part of themselves. Mm. Um, it's human instinct to know where you come from and who you belong to. Uh, and so I encourage adoptive parents not to shy away from that. Before yeah. I get too long-winded, in my experience, me getting many of those answers did not decrease my appreciation for my adoptive family, but actually increased my appreciation in some ways. So yeah. the opposite of what perhaps my adoptive parents feared would happen, actually happened. So for adoptive parents out there, be open early on. Yeah. There's People ask what age. It's never too early to be honest um, to a certain extent with the child's story because it's their story. It's not yours. You're simply a steward and a guide. Mm. So we actually had a question that came in um, that touches on the point that you just made about the appreciation for your adoptive parents, could you name one or two things that you um, really appreciated about the way that your parent, adoptive parents raised you and perhaps one thing that they could have done differently? Sure, yeah, this was a good question. Yeah. I appreciate the person who um, sent this in. You know, I mean, I, I think the, again, this gets back to the sovereignty of God and and there's mystery there. And so mm. the disclaimer is it's all mis mysterious. Um, even some things that in our own human logic, we might not have drawn it up that way, work to God's glory. Amen. And so praise God for that. So in his sovereignty and his plan, he placed me in a family that um, uh, exposed me to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... You know, I always appreciate that, um, and and the the clarity with which I learned the gospel from a young age, uh, interacted with God's word, um, 
always appreciate that. Another thing I've always appreciated about my adoptive parents is they provided such an amazing model of uh, of marriage. Uh, you know, I never, never once don't have one memory of my adoptive parents fighting or having any type of physical or verbal serious altercation in front of us, in front of me or my siblings. And as I've gotten older and interact with my my friends and their their family stories, it just makes me appreciate that more and more. And so um, those are two things that I'm just grateful to God, but also just grateful to my parents uh, for their efforts to, you know, model, uh, model what a, a family, what, what, how parents should yeah. act, interact with each other. Um, and they prioritize the gospel. So I appreciate that very much. As far as things we could have done differently, you know, I, I, again, I don't blame them. This was more, I think, a function of what the, what the, where the, um, though I'm looking for a word, the common conceptions about what was best in adoption at the time was that, uh, was this love is enough mentality. And so one thing that they could have done was to, steward me as I interacted with what it meant to be, you know, an African-American male uh, raised in a predominantly white place and and just in the world in general. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, again, I don't think this was intentional, but that really wasn't a part of um, how I was raised. And it's something that I would um, I would say we could have done differently. So, you know, one of the things in getting to know you early on was that I I had a hard time with, you know, feeling comfortable with asking you certain questions about your your story because um, I didn't want to come off offensive or I didn't know if what I was going to ask was going to be offensive. And so what would you say to folks who, you know, may know adoptees who may have friends or whatever, coworkers or are in a relationship with someone who's an adoptee or, in, you know, or who know people who are in foster youth, um, but just don't know how to quite engage with them, ask the right questions, there's fear. And so you kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells. And, you know, I know you've been very much of an open book, like ask me anything. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've also just been like, I don't, you know, I think right. that might come what up. What do I even what ask? Do I, yeah, right. what do I ask? Right. So what would you say to folks who are in that position yeah so if you know someone uh and odds are you do even if you aren't aware of it that has interacted in some way with um with adoption or foster care i think just taking that step of of honesty and and um making it known your intention uh for your your Curiosity, so mm -hmm. to speak, uh, that you want to support and be an be an ally, um, and even just saying that you know I want to I want to understand your story or hear what you're willing to share so I can be a better friend. Uh, and when you come from that, you know, and, and I think you can tell, you can tell if you're coming from a place of like, ooh, you know. That's exotic. Like <laughs> I want to hear about that crazy story. You know, people are yeah. people are at that place, and that's just something that will make 
again, I don't want to generalize for everyone, but that would make me shut down. And I, like, I, like you said, I've made a purposeful commitment to be an open book, but I've, you can understand or receive the intention of someone, someone's inquiry. Mm -hmm. And so really think about making your intention clear, um, and be brave to make your, to, to ask, um, and, and be honest with like, I don't, know the lingo. I don't really know much, but I want to know more. And I think any, again, I don't want to generalize, but most adopted folks that I know would want more of that. People that want to know more about what it's like and want to hear it from an adoptee. So I just encourage you to, to, to be honest. Um, think about your intention before you go into that conversation Make sure you're coming from the right place. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think you'll encounter a um, gracious response. Like you said, my my thing is just because there's so much fear, there's so much othering that goes on with adoption, there's so much lack of conversation, I've made a personal commitment in my life to to purpose to not skip opportunities to... Bring these conversations out, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or on a podcast or on a panel or whatever it might be. Yeah, This has been so good. And um, as we get ready to, to finish, my last question to you, and I think probably the most important one, is how has your faith in God influenced um, the way or influenced your perspective on your story and just adoption in general? Yeah, again, this just like adoption and the journey that it is, is ongoing. So it's influencing it and praise God for that. It's part of my perspective. It guides it. Um, that doesn't mean everything's crystal clear yeah. and everything makes sense. But, um, you know, we come back to those things that anchor us. And so in the sense that I shared before and I, th I think it's also a beautiful fact that both my, I've had conversations with my birth mother, my, my birth father separately, and then my adoptive parents. And for all of those pieces to see the sovereignty of God and mm -hmm. what was really amazing, both positively and negatively, traumatic, both, po both positively, positively and negatively experience of my adoption is beautiful and and I and I see it as well you know I scripture says I God knows the plans he has for you mm -hmm. and so I bring that to this perspective of there's a bigger plan here yeah. and so that's the other piece of this I see my experiences of growing up in a white family meeting and learning what it meant to be uh, African-American, what it meant to be a black black man at a, such a crucial time, 17, 18, as you're really kind of mm -hmm. moving into um, greater levels of maturity and identity. Uh, growing in my uh, love for and understanding of Jesus Christ and, and the kingdom of God, all these things, I believe, are preparing me for what God has for me to do in this world. And, and I don't know exactly what that is yet, 
but I see everything, including my adoption, as tools that God has used and placed in my life, in my journey, uh, preparing me for what he has for me. And so there's more to say on that. I think another topic for another time is the, and I wanted to get to it, we're running out of time, but church and adoption and kind of successes and I think stumbles that the church has had and its approach to um, adoption. What I think is sometimes a misapplied parallel between how we as believers are adopted in the family of Christ Mm -hmm. and human adoption on this earth. Mm -hmm. And just that parallel is applied in a really um, kind of loose way to something that's very complex that has a lot of Mm-hmm. There's a lot of human sin involved in adoption. It's an industry. Um, it's traumatic. Yes, mm-hmm. it can be beautiful. But um, here I am trying to pack in all this stuff we couldn't talk about to the very end. But again, my faith is my guide. It's my it's my um, my anchor. And so, as I move forward in this journey, which is continuing and is still complicated to this day. Uh, I have that anchor to come back to as I continue to look for answers and and help others find answers. Yeah. Wow. This has been a very rich time, and I'm really grateful that you have shared your story. And I know that those who are listening um, and those who will listen will be very much encouraged and edified. And so thank you for taking the time You're to, welcome. to do that. You're welcome, host. Yes. Um, No, I just wanted to, so there's so many resources out there. If if this has piqued your interest, if you're interested, there's no excuse. Google is like literally a one click away for you probably right now. And so there's so many resources. Um, I would search for adoptee. Yeah. Social media on Instagram. mm -hmm. I would search for uh, the adoptee perspective. The adoptive parent perspective is valuable, but again, it's overrepresented. Um, in my opinion, NPR recently did an amazing piece that features uh, the, on transracial adoption. Um, I think I believe it's their code switching um, series. Check that out. Um, and yeah, we'll post. Um, there's just so many people that I've benefited from that I definitely want to point y'all in, the, in that direction. So we'll put together a little resource list and post it for y'all to access. So yeah, thank you. And I'm also happy to interact with any questions or follow-up I know there's it was like we're skipping a rock and not really going beneath the surface too much uh, but trying to cover a lot of territory so if there's any questions or comments or you know anyone out there that's also adopted or is impacted in some way by the adoption or foster care system and, and you just want to talk or you know it's so powerful to talk to someone else about your your story Um, For me, that was an amazing time back in 2012, 2013, when I was first learning how to talk about my Mm -hmm. story. Um, So for those out there that are adopted um, or former foster youth or currently, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. Thank you for that. So thank you for listening. Um, Please make sure that you follow us on Instagram 
at Everything Under the Sun podcast. And you can also send us your questions there. Um, So thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you on our next episode. God bless. Bye. Thank you.